2: Hello and welcome to Just Films and That. We are going to talk about a film that we think is underrated, underappreciated, or we just fancied having a look at it. Um, it was Alice's turn to pick this week and she has picked Frank from 2014, so let's get stuck in. Right. Alice. Mm
1: -hmm. Frank. Let's be Frank. Let's be Frank. Let's watch (laughs) Frank.
2: Let's talk about Frank.
1: Let's talk about Frank.
2: Um, It's from 2014. Mm -hmm. Spoiler warnings if you've not seen it. Make your case. What's it about? Why'd you pick it?
1: So in the movie Frank, we start off following the life of this sort of struggling, like, not quite failed, but not quite making it musician called John. And he's really struggling to kind of get any music out there. He's trying to write songs, but he can't really write anything. He doesn't really know where to go from here. And then sort of just by happenstance, he stumbles across a band who are having some trouble on the beach. Basically, their keyboard player is having a bit of a mental breakdown, shall we say. And he's jumped into the sea and the police are trying to kind of get him out. He's like, what are you doing in there? But he won't have it. So then the band are like, well, we've got a show tonight. What are we going to do? And John's like, I can play keyboards. So they... Pretty much, grab him, pull him into their van, and then off they go on this wild adventure. Um, So the band, whose name I can't say it, I I don't know if you can. It's kind of just—it's an interesting assortment of sort of consonants. Um, It's a word that doesn't really mean anything. Um, But anyway, it's headed up by Frank, who is played by Michael Fassbender. Uh, But there's something about Frank, and he basically wears a Frank side bottom papier mâché head. And this is just his style. This is just what he does. The band members have never seen him without this head. He wears it when he sleeps. He wears it when he showers. So John basically joins the band then. They go off on this kind of this mad journey. They go into the forest in Ireland to write an album in like this wood hut. They spend over a year writing this album. And then what the band don't know is that John is sort of filming kind of little blog uh, vlog moments of what's going on he's tweeting about what's going on um and by the end of the writing sort of the writing process, they've got, you know, 23,000 views and kind of he's built up a bit of a following. So then there's a bit of turmoil where Frank thinks, oh, is this the right step? You know, do we want, you know, all these fans? I should probably say, their music is very experimental. They They play for themselves more than anything. They don't really play for the audience. They're not really playing for fans. They've just found a sound that they like and that they enjoy and that's what they do it for. But because of all this kind of marketing that John's been doing, they get a bit of a following. He signs them up to South by Southwest, It all kind of goes a bit wrong. Frank loses his head because he gets hit by a car, it smashes, and then you kind of see him for who he really is, and he is kind of this, kind of, sort of, he's got a bit of a mental illness. He can't quite fit into society, perhaps, Mm. in the way that he would like, and you realise that that was the whole point of the head, was that that was kind of him being in control. That was the way he could socialise with other people. Um, And that's kind of it in a nutshell, really. Mm. Um, The reason I picked it was... So I'd only seen it once, but it had had quite an impact on me, I think. And there were two scenes from it that I still kind of think about, not on a daily basis now, but would always kind of pop into my head. And I just remember like, God, those two scenes were really impactful. It's so interesting that this film I've only seen once had such an impact on me. Um, And I think that it is underseen. And I definitely think it is underappreciated. Mm. I did check to see if it was underrated. I don't think it's underrated. No. People did quite like it. But I just don't think... Nobody ever really talks about it. And it does feel really underappreciated. And I don't really know anyone else who's seen it. Um, so that's why I picked it. So, Josh, had you seen this one?
2: I hadn't. I hadn't. So I hadn't seen this before. I remember it coming out and getting really good reviews. A bit like what you just said. Um... And I've always, it's always been on my list. And I think it has been one of those ones where I might have put it on a list of a streaming service and then it'd been taken off the streaming service. So I'd sort of forgotten about the film, which I think happens a lot more than people realize in terms of making lists on streaming sites. So I really wanted to see it because I really like Michael Fassbender. I really like Domo Gleason. Maggie Gyllenhaal's in this. She's great. Um, Obviously, Frank Sidebottom. Is a, is a comedy character played by the late Chris Seavey. Um, is it Seavey? Seavey is it? Yeah, think Seavey, yeah. I um, Seavey. And so this film is based on a um, newspaper article, which then was turned into a book, which I would urge everyone to read. If you're going to watch the film, definitely read the article because it's really interesting how the, the article feeds the film um, about Frank Sidebottom and what was surrounding him. But we'll probably come on to that in a little bit. Um, but I enjoyed it overall. Mm-hmm. Overall, there's, I think, 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 lots of good stuff in there. I really enjoyed um, the contrasting performances. Um, so you've got members of the band who are all, like, it's a bit of a satire in places on the sort of bullshit and pretenses of the music industry. So you've got, like, Domo Gleason, who plays John, who's very much quite your normal guy, quite an everyman type character. And a lot of the film is seen through his eyes, through him sort of following it. Building up a following of social media, YouTube followers, that sort of thing. And I really like that method of storytelling. Um then you've got like Michael you've got like Maggie all. sorry, who's like quite the unhinged, angry sort of almost manic pixie dream kind girl. Of
1: Courtney love. Courtney Love
2: type character, yeah. yeah. Like crazy but but not, but angry, but passionate, but mm. intelligent, but irrational you know that sort of character uh i think michael fassman is really good in this i mean Mm -hmm. let's be honest it must have been a nightmare to act with that head on because it's a bit you know there's plenty of stories of you you hear actors acting behind a mask and saying how difficult it was to get across emotion you know i mean half of v for vendetta for example is a different actor and Mm -hmm. then the second half is another actor Mm -hmm. or you get you know people who play Superheroes who say it's difficult, like I know it must be quite difficult to play like Spider-Man,
1: yeah.
2: For example, they're
1: kind of um, all-consuming, yeah, kind of it's mask, something yeah. that covers
2: the whole face rather mm. than at least you can at least you know you got like Tom Hardy's acts with his eyes in half the films he's in. Mm. Um, so I thought Michael Fassbender gave a really interesting performance because it's very very physical, and I really like that it's very very physical through the whole film. And then when he takes the head off when he's not got the head for the sort of last ten minutes or so. It's very subdued mm-hmm. and it's very not physical. It's very still. It's very quiet, and I quite like that. Um, I'd like to give a little shout out to the director. Actually, I think it's really well, well directed. So it's directed by Lenny Abrahamson, who's an Irish director who's done a, who's done quite a lot of good things. Um, and I quite like that. He, so so he does a lot with a little. Mm-hmm. He's you know this is not a film with loads of characters in it. This is not a film with loads of particularly. Um, big scenes in it it's sort of a constant stream of narrative type film and i really like that um it's a constant stream of consciousness should i say mm. um and i like that i like i like some of the things he does to tell the story the the sort of diary style of mixed with documentary so it's almost like a documentary but it's not it's also a, a film and a in its own right some of the multimedia stuff of like showing the social media on the page like what i said earlier you know you track the band's progress by seeing how many Twitter followers and YouTube followers um, John has got um, and and that sort of thing. It's almost a little bit like, um, it reminded me a little bit like of like, almost like a play mm-hmm. uh, in certain elements. So I think Lenny Abrahamson is really good at that. He's really good. At, so he did another film which won a couple of Oscars um, called Room and that's really good. Not, urge...
1: not The Room. Not The no. Room, God um... no. no. No, 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 not that. No,
2: this, uh, Brie Larson won her Best Act. Oscar for it, and I think it won a couple of others. I definitely urge anyone to check that out. That's a really good film as well. Um, so I think he did a really good job of. I mean, it can't have been easy to take a mixture of a true story and a newspaper article about a real guy and make it into a film. Mm-hmm. It can't have been easy, and a lot of that must be down to sort of his direction and some of the script as well. I think um, I
1: just just want to say I do think it ended up being a lot less true.
2: Then, oh like, yeah. They started oh, God, out. Yeah. Like yeah. I think
1: they sort of started out with the intention of it being a bit more like biographical and a bit more mm. sort of based on a true story. But I think the sort of the further they went, the kind of more detached from that it became. Yeah. I think.
2: Yeah. No. It, it, I mean, in no way, would I would. I, I. This is not a true story. <laughs> it's based on a true comedy character, a, yeah. a real comedy character, which John Ronson wrote a newspaper article about. Then they took that article and adapted into a fictional film. Mm-hmm. It's just.
1: There you go. F- yeah.
2: Follow that line of yeah. of uh, narrative. <laughs> but, but that's exactly my point. That can't have been easy to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really good. I think it's actually it's got some really funny moments in it. There's a lot of again. There's a lot of satire around the music, you know, industry and the sort of bullshit and the, the, the pretentiousness, so to speak. There's some quite quite good physical comedy bits, particularly with Frank and like. There's a bit where. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and Domo Gleeson have sex in a hot tub and it just looks like the most unpleasant experience of yeah. anyone's life.
1: Yeah. She's drowning him. She's in. drowning him, <laughs> basically.
2: But she hates him, but they're also having sex. Yeah. Or there's like little bits which are quite easily easily relatable, which is like he's trying to write a song on the piano and he's just been listening to Madness and he just starts playing Madness yeah. and then he's sitting there going, it's Madness, idiots. Yeah, like yeah. That sort of thing. Um, I think... I think the main thing I liked about it was actually the message. I know that I don't want to sound all, I don't want to go all wanky, which is why I'm not going to elaborate loads on this. I'm going to talk about loads. But I think it's, for me, I'd like to get your thoughts on this as well. I think it's about finding solace in shared pain Mm -hmm. and being an outsider, but sort of being okay with it. Mm -hmm. The whole point for me is that the band aren't asked about success. They like being together. They like playing together and they like doing what it is they're doing. And as soon as John comes into the mix and starts trying to make them successful, that's the catalyst for their ultimate downfall or temporary downfall, whatever you want to call it. So he is the he is the problem almost. And I like that it's about and it doesn't say this outright, but it sort of intimates that the band members all have shared different health problems and vulnerabilities and stuff and that being together really helps them and is a is a catharsis for them and is a therapy for them in a way mm-hmm. um and i really like that idea of shared salt, solace and shared pain mm-hmm. um not to sound too wanky <laughs> but what did you think of that
1: Oh, yeah, no, certainly. That's certainly where a lot of the magic of the film comes from. Um, But it is interesting with John's character, because obviously they go to this log cabin to record their album, and they're there for, you know, 11, 12, 13 months, however long it takes. Um, But the fact is, they're about to get chucked out because they can't pay the bill. Mm. And it's like, oh, John's like, well, actually, my granddad died. I have a nest egg. You can use that money. So then it's kind of this interesting, well, can they realistically keep doing what they want to do if they're not interested in making money at all. Mm. Like, how long can that last? Mm. Like, they've still got equipment they need to buy. They've still got places they need to sleep. They've still got food that they need to eat. Where Where's the money going to come from? Yeah. So something's got to give... Somewhere, right? Unless one of them has like some secret kind of fortune yeah. that they're sitting on that they haven't told anyone about.
2: You can't act like a successful band but not want to be a successful band. Yeah. So if you want to go off and record your album but you're not actually interested in making any money, then just just do it somewhere free. Yeah, basically, I suppose that's
1: a good it's point. Tricky, actually, yeah. Because I, I was thinking about that because obviously it, a lot of it, you know, John obviously. He is very selfish, and he wants to push forward with this idea of fame and doing festivals, you know, doing videos, releasing albums, whatever. And that's not what these guys have been doing. That isn't their aim. That isn't what makes them happy. Um but yeah, just pre- pretty much everything you said really is kind of like, I I, I agree. Um, I, I just, I think it's a brilliant film. I love the concept. I love the characters. I love the story. I thought it was so funny. One bit had me literally in tears laughing. I actually found it funnier this time around than I did the first time, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but it's when... Like, the, the, it's just before kind of the South by Southwest. So John signs him up to go and play South by Southwest, which obviously they're not ready for. But he's, you know, oh, we've got fans now. Yeah, whatever. And they're like, oh, we need to write like the most likable song in the world. So then Frank starts like bashing the keyboard or whatever, going like <laughs> Coca-Cola, lipstick, oh, yeah. and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. And I just started absolutely howling. So I love that so much of the comedy comes from the music. And then... In the opening of the film, you've got John, who's obviously struggling to write songs and that, and he's just singing what he sees. And it's like if you if you're a creative person, you kind of know this sort of struggle of like, where, like where does it come from? Where do the words come from? Where does the music come from? Oh, just say what you see. Say what you see. It's like Lady in the red coat. What are you doing with that bag and all this? And it just made me just made me laugh so much. And it's like Lady in the blue coat. Do you know the Lady in the it's red so, it's coat so, and all it's this?
2: So true though, isn't it? Because you know people who always are in the public eye given their thoughts on how do you get successful mm. are usually already successful and they'll always say stuff like "Well, write about what you know Yeah, and yeah. it's like yeah. well, what I know is that I'm trying to be a writer yeah. and I can't <laughs> fucking think of anything so how do you want me to write something about not being a writer because if that's the case then that's all that would be anywhere mm. so I, that's really interesting but then like you say it's just a, it, like, it's just a silly joke isn't it see, it's say, sing what you see
1: Yeah, and it's just so simple. And I thought a lot of the humour in it was really simple but really effective. And you've got Michael Fassbender, who, even with that big, dumb papier-mâché head on, is so charming and so alluring and and so just so witty. So there's one point, obviously, because, you know, John meets him and he's like, you know, instantly it's all about like, why do you wear the head? Like, what's this all about and stuff? And he's just like, why do you find it unnerving and whatever? And he's like, oh, a little bit. So he goes, oh, do you want me to explain my facial expressions (laughs) for you? And he's like, welcoming smile is like friendly grin and all this. (laughs) And that just really made me laugh as well. And it's just like these really simple (laughs) little touches. Um, Like you say, Fastbender's obviously being, he's being so physical. And I wonder if a lesser actor could have pulled it off as well as he did. Like he knows how to use his body in tandem with his head whilst wearing this huge Papier Mache thing on him. And I feel like, because obviously he's made the transition a little bit now, you know, we associate him with kind of X-Men and, you know, he's become he's a, big, sort of time. That, he's a yeah. big time movie star. And I thing. think his his nuance and his subtlety and some of the brilliance that he can bring to a role is sometimes overlooked in his more yeah. modern films. Um, but I'm a huge I'm a huge, huge Fastbender fan. And the so the ending for this, so obviously we get. So the South by Southwest thing, it just, it's awful. Like, Frank isn't coping, um, Clara isn't coping, the uh, two French bandmates whose names escape me right now. The drummer and the guitarist. No one's yeah. really coping with the whole situation, but John's pushing it. It's like, no, we need to play, we need to play. Everyone fucks off, basically, except Frank. And then you've got Frank and John, but then, you know, things go really bad. Sort of Frank's mental state, he really starts spiralling. He runs away from John, gets hit by a car, You then sort of see the head, the head that's smashed on the floor. Mm. And it's like, oh shit, he's like he's without his head. And because of the way it's been built up all the way through the film, you really feel like, what, like That's a big deal. He hasn't got his 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 head. Yeah, Yeah, because there was a moment, like um, sort of earlier in the film, where he's in the shower and John can hear him in the shower. Oh,
2: it's my (laughs) favourite bit. he hears
1: him and he walks in and he sees like the, the heads on the floor outside the bathroom. So then John, because he's obsessed with it and he's not much of a likeable character, I've got to be honest, it's John, right? Because he sees the head in the floor. So it's almost like he sees, oh, now is my chance to finally see what Frank looks like. So he's like creeping into the bathroom or whatever. Sticks his head through. But then Frank's in there with another head yeah, on yeah. and a plastic bag over that head. Because it's like, no, he really never takes it off. Like there's, you're waiting yeah. for him to slip up, like for him to be sleeping the, and not wearing it.
2: There's lots of great jokes about the head as well. Yeah. That, that's my favourite joke. But then there's another one where before they go on stage, he disappears behind the curtain and comes back, and the head is now a lady head. Got,
1: yeah, got loads of makeup. And it's on, like, on, like, oh yeah, big well, like, yeah.
2: Well, it's like got like loads of stage makeup on yeah, and, and yeah. eyelashes, and he's got a dress on, and it's like, it's just really simple jokes, but yeah, it, the, yeah. but it is it is really funny. Yeah. So do you think something I wanted to ask you actually? Do you think they should have shown him without the head on? I
1: think so. For me, the ending, and I said earlier, like there's two moments in this film that just kind of really stayed with me. And the ending is one of them when he walks into that bar yeah. and you've got Clara and the two other bandmates there' on stage singing, you know, and just such melancholia coming from them, like they don't know what to do without Frank. They don't this group don't know what to do without each other. And Frank walks in, and obviously he's felt completely. I guess, just stripped of any sort of confidence and any humanity that he did have that was in this head. And he's just a completely different person. Like, he strikes a completely different figure. And he walks in and he starts singing this, just singing what he sees, right? Yeah, yeah. But but it works. And it's just so interesting to have that. And I've only just thought about it just now, but to obviously have the beginning of the film with
0: John. Selling a little or a lot? you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Kind of hit in his way trying to push it, like Lady in the Red Coat and whatever. But then when Frank's doing it in the bar, it becomes this like beautiful kind of requiem for their relationship and for everything that's just happened like i love you and they like yeah
2: and they see they see him they don't know it's him and then they realize it's him because they hear they they hear his voice
1: they don't make a big deal about it they don't run up to him it's not all big hugs and all this like some of the tender moments in it are really really subtle and that really really adds to it um but the, the singing for me, the way that Frank sings and the way that they compose songs really reminds me of The Doors. Like it is this poetry. It's this stuff that's like born of poems that they're just kind of mm. putting music to. And his delivery is very similar to Jim Morrison. Obviously that connects with me a lot because I love The Doors so much. Um, so yeah, I do think, I think because of the way they did it, I do think they, they should have shown him without the head on. And I think for me, that was the perfect way to end that film. Mm.
2: Something I want to ask you actually: How much did you know about Frank Sidebottom before you watched this and Chris Seavey?
1: Literally nothing, cool. not a thing. Though, so I didn't really, I didn't know what that head was. I didn't know what was it, what it was in reference to. Um, and it's really, it's really creepy. It's a very creepy head. Like when you see mm, that out of context, motionless, isn't it? Yeah, like, like when you see that sort of DVD cover or you see the thumbnail, it's like that's weird and mm. that's creepy. And like when Frank first comes on screen, it's like, oh God, like it is a bit unnerving. It's so in your face and it's huge and it's so out of proportion. Mm. And then because obviously the way Frank is, you know, Frank's got this amazing energy where he just makes people around him feel chilled out. Like he just knows sort of the right questions to ask. He knows how to make people feel at ease. So by the end of it, like I just didn't even notice anymore. Like this thing that was creeping me out so much at the beginning just didn't. Yeah. Um. But yeah, long way to answer your question. Sorry. Um, did you know much about Frank Sidebottom?
2: So obviously, I, I grew up not that far from like where Chris not that not close but like Mm. manchester was my local city growing Mm -hmm. up so obviously i was i I knew a little bit that he existed and stuff and obviously i think he did Mm -hmm. he did a a christmas song and stuff like that um no but the the article that i mentioned earlier i'd urge you to check it out it's really interesting because i didn't realize just how much of an effect frank cyborg actually had on the careers of some of the people around him Mm. so there's a little bit in the article where it mentions that their driver so so in the article I won't try, I won't give too much away in case people want to read it for themselves. But basically, there's a lot in it about Chris Seavey, who is Frank's high bottom, didn't always differentiate between whether he was Frank or whether he was Chris. So sometimes he was Frank, sometimes he was Chris. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that it does mention is that he showed no real interest in... Um, being big and famous. It was it was that he sort of just toured around the northwest. He sort of toured the same, you know, Liverpool, Manchester, Leeds like and the surrounding towns over and over again. And the and one of the people who would drive him around was Chris Evans, the DJ. Oh really? So like he left he left that from being their driver to then go and be like earn like 35 million quid a year as a DJ. Um, One thing I didn't know was that Mrs. Merton, the Carolina Hearn character, is Frank Sidebottom's neighbour. So she was created as Frank Sidebottom's neighbour. Do you know Mrs. Merton?
1: I don't think so. So Mrs. Merton was a
2: Carolina Hearn character. You know Carolina Hearn, Denise from The Royal Family? Oh yeah. So so Carolina Hurd is a writer. Uh, obviously, sadly, sadly passed away now. Um, so she she was comedy writer, actor, actor, and so she, so she created a character called Mrs. Merton, and mm. that was created as Frank Sidebottom's. Neighbor, mm. then she got her own chat show. So she would play this sort of old woman interviewing celebrities. So there's a very famous one where uh, they have Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee on. She says to Debbie McGee, What's first attracted you to the millionaire Paul Daniels? <laughs> yeah. And it became a well known joke around mm. Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee. um But anyway, then obviously Carolina had then created the Royal Family and as we know, became a huge, huge star. And yet, Frank, you know, C- Chris Seavey, when he passed away, famously died. Without even the money for a funeral, Mm. so so that's sort of what the article is about, and and how he got there, and what he was like as a person, and how he was quite withdrawn and quite just wanted to to have his house and his family and all that. It's it's interesting because it's an interesting creation, really, when you think about it. To to have a a character who just was a giant papier mâché head, and then this is created, you know, this is now spawned a film with some massive actors in it and stuff. It's interesting. I just wanted to know if you knew much about him going into it.
1: No, not really um, at all. I
2: mean, I don't know if this is necessarily the same Frankside bottom. Like you say. the lines between fiction and reality are blurred. But it's certainly interesting to watch whether you do or don't know oh, certainly, about yeah. him.
1: And I feel like, obviously on a much smaller scale, but you know, given recent events... Um, wearing a mask and stuff. So I personally feel like 10 times more confident when I'm wearing a mask, like when most of my face is, is covered. Mm. So like I can totally like empathize with Frank in that way of like why he would want that and understand where he's coming yeah. from and feeling more comfortable in that way. Like he feels like he can actually be himself and he can actually present that version of himself to the world where obviously without it, he, he can't. Like, he can't at all. Like, he can't really function. Like, he ends up going back to his mum and dad's. He sort of reverts back to this childhood state. Um, It's just really interesting. I just thought it was such a a kind of interesting, complex character and story um, sort of fluffed up with a lot of comedy. And I thought that was really interesting.
2: If you wore a papier-mâché head, a giant head, would it be a giant version of your head or just a giant head?
1: Oh no! Maybe I'd get creative and do like a giant Squirtle head or something, yeah, yeah, or you yeah. know, a you Sonic off, head. <gasps> yeah,
2: when they took it off, you're like, oh, "That's you're not Sonic." Yeah, surprise. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. See, I've got quite a big head, <laughs> so you'd have to. Cut, be a lot of papier mâché to make <laughs> a one of my six
1: tall papier mâché yeah, head. I mean,
2: I already look like a PowerPod. <laughs> so. We'll move on to talking about things that we perhaps would change or that we didn't like uh, about the film. Alice, I don't get the impression you're going to have a lot of notes on this one, but what have you got?
1: Uh, so some of the non-diegetic music um, I thought was a little bit irritating and I just thought was a bit much uh, at some points. I, I really enjoyed the diegetic music and the music that the band were making, like this kind of crazy experimental alt-rocks thing that they had going on. Uh, but yeah, just some of the non-diegetic music, I was a bit like, oh, that's a bit distracting, doesn't really match with the theme and with the vibe of the film that I'm getting. Uh, but that was it. That it was literally nothing else. I wow. really, I, and I didn't expect. I didn't expect to like it... As much as I did, but it had, I think, more of an impact on me this time around than it did the first time. So, um,
2: second viewing preferred it to the yeah, first viewing? Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Weird
1: that, isn't it? Yeah. I
2: suppose we've probably touched on this before, but when you watch it for the second time, you already know what happens. Mm. So, you could look at other stuff and that's where you yeah. find what you like about it, I guess.
1: Yeah, kind of really enjoying it more for what it is. And I think I was paying more attention to Frank and to Michael Fassbender. Um, whereas, because you know, when you see something for the first time, you kind of you've got to take it all in at once. Whereas when you know the storyline, when you kind of vaguely know, you know what's coming up next, what the next scene is going to be, you can pay more attention to the nuances of it. And I feel like this was such a rich film. Mm. It was shot beautifully as well, actually. So, yes. and I didn't get yeah. to, but like the framing, the way the action moved from one scene to another, it was oh, oh really, really good. Really talented, either you know, cinematographer, what you know, whoever it was in charge of that. Um, so yeah, I just thought I thought it was great. I did really did. What about you?
2: Um so there's uh, the bit where they're in the cabin and they're rehearsing for like they're there for like a year, aren't they? I thought that went on a bit too long. I thought there was a bit too much of just them in rehearsing or just them playing. That might have been the point, because they're supposed to be capturing that idea of, you know, monotony. I mean bored, but for me it went on a bit too long.
1: It's the kind of the torture of the creative process, yeah. isn't it? It's like it's just a really nice juxtaposition between John just thinks he can come up with some lyrics, go home on his keyboard, and bam, yeah. he's got a hit song. And then you've got these like actual creative types who are like, nah, we're going to be in, the, in and air for about a year. Yeah, and we're not yeah. going to see anyone else. We're not going to talk to anyone else. We're going to be on the brink of starvation. Probably going to drink too much. One of us is going to commit suicide. Know, yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean?
2: Yeah. So, so that was one thing. There's not... Although the only other thing I'd probably say is I would might maybe... And this is just probably down to personal preference would have liked a bit more exposition around the different band members and how they met and Frank himself. Obviously I think the whole, the whole point might be the lack of exposition, but for me, I'd like to know a little bit more about who are they? How did they meet? Why? Have they found this solace in shared pain? you know, a little bit more about each of them? Why is it that they love each other so much that when this John character comes in, is it so destructive? Why is Maggie Gyllenhaal's character so protective over Frank? Because she is proven right. Mm -hmm. And I think that the ending could have been... The ending was impactful. But I think it could have been even more impactful if we'd had a little bit more explanation, exploration, should I say, around those characters, their love for each other and their pain that they clearly share. But that, I think it's just that's of personal preference, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, overall, enjoyed
1: it. So we'll move on to the critical reception then. So Josh, I take it you haven't seen the critical reception? I have not. Go on, throw some guesses at me. What do you think? So
2: so I I, I know it did quite well critically. I think it made like a couple of top ten lists for the year and that sort of thing. Um, I would say that the, I think the critics are probably kinder than the audience. So I would say the critics are probably looking into the eights, whereas the audience probably... Maybe low sevens.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
2: So, give it to me.
1: Interesting. So on IMDb at the time of recording, it got seven out of ten. Um, and then on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience gave it seventy two percent. So mm. you're pretty much bang on there with what your low I seven guess. What can I say. And then the critics gave it ninety two percent.
2: Ninety two. Ninety two
1: percent. So with that, it's not underrated. I'm I'm I am on board with that ninety-two percent. Do you feel like that's a bit over?
2: For me, I, I'd, say, it? I'd yeah. say it's slightly over. I'd mm. probably give it more like maybe a mid-7.
1: Really, yeah.
2: Um, but so I would probably say that's overrated. I mean oh, wow. I, I don't think I don't know. Can you say a film that's 92% is is um underrated? <laughs> no, not underrated,
1: but bang bang on for me. Yeah, yeah. So
2: so In that case, let's say it's critically appropriately rated (laughs) because, you know, it's your film. (laughs) You think it's worth 92%, so therefore it is.
1: (laughs) I'm the boss this week.
2: But is it it underseen?
1: So I think it is underseen and I think it is underappreciated and I don't think people... I just feel like people haven't seen it and I definitely feel like younger people aren't ever going to watch it like there are some films that kind of in 10 years time or whatever, people will still mm. be watching, you know, like, you know, some of the classics, if we think like sort of Terminator, Star Wars, some of the Marvel stuff. Yeah, I feel like yeah. people, younger people are always going to be watching that. I just don't think young people would watch this. And I don't know if I'm just being, if I'm underestimating what young people are into, Um it almost, it just kind of feels. It was really just like a film for me, really. <laughs> so, so it's got music that uh, I'm already—I'm sold. Do you know what I mean? Music, Michael Fassbender, some darkness, and then some hilarious moments. Big just, and a big old edge. Big edge. <laughs> yeah. So there we go, Frank. Not underrated, but a little bit underseen, and I think definitely underappreciated. So, Josh, what are we going to be doing for next week?
2: Well. I thought it was about time we did another listener's suggestion. Oh, exciting. Um, so the last one we did would have been Johnny Mnemonic. It was indeed. Um, so this one, I'm afraid to say, won't have Keanu Reeves in it.
1: Oh, well, I'm not bothered then. Not listening. But
2: <laughs> but it will have Keanu Reeves a replacement from Speed 2 in it.
1: <gasps> oh, the next so best thing.
2: Yeah, if in a way um, <laughs> no so basically we've had an email from Nick and Nick has emailed to suggest that we watch a film called The Beast mm. from 1988 so I'm gonna I will read Nick's email next week uh, so join us next week when we're gonna be watching The Beast starring Jason Patrick amongst others um, if you'd like to get in touch with us the the uh, like Nick has done and, and make a suggestion then the email address is pod at gmail.com uh, we're on all the social medias Facebook, Instagram TikTok Bebo, MySpace, no, uh, just films in that pod. Um, if, you're on your, if you're on an iPhone right now and you could scooch over to the iTunes app and give us a little five-star review, it would be very much appreciated. And if you can ever prove in person and you ever meet us that you have done that, one of us will give you a little COVID-safe cuddle.
1: Um,
2: Alice Oliver, thank you for joining me as ever.
1: Thank you very much, Josh. Pleasure as always.
2: And it's goodbye from me. Cheerio.
1: Bye.